Welcome to the Essay for FAs Asset Allocator Podcast, a series that addresses issues of current interest to financial advisors, including ETFs, asset allocation, and the economy. I am your host, Gil Weinrich of Seeking Alpha, and today we will take a tour of recent headlines, offering a bit of logical perspective on the news of the day. We'll get to that in just a moment. But first, this message. If you're a financial advisor, you should be using Seeking Alpha Premium. I'll mention just two items I personally think are valuable for advisors. Number one, advisors typically get investment research from their own broker-dealer, and it's good to cross-reference that with the research available to Seeking Alpha Premium subscribers. Number two, the quantitative ratings available to premium subscribers are an incredible value-add because they make it possible to compare investments with mutually consistent data. In other words, it aids in getting different investment ideas to talk to each other, as it were. These features are just the tip of the iceberg, and it costs only $240 for an annual subscription. Click on Upgrade on the top right of your Seeking Alpha homepage to see a full list of benefits and options. We're besieged by news and views, but it's not always clear how to interpret things. Case in point, after the market plunged in mid-March, Investors started backing up the truck to pick up bargains. There are some bargains, and there are some investors with long horizons and money to put to work. So I'm not making a blanket statement that people should not be investing. But I think investors were slow to understand that this is not the sort of crisis from which we could expect an immediate and sustained V-shaped snapback. That is now sinking in, and we'll increasingly see realism take hold. But let's here try to understand what's going on a little bit better with an analysis of some recent headlines. First, Morgan Stanley estimates the U.S. deficit will total $3.7 trillion in 2020, and at least $3 trillion in 2021. That's far above the $1 trillion we were already on track towards. What does this mean? First, it means that we are in a crisis that is so unprecedentedly severe that there is really little choice but for the government to do everything within its power to prop up the economy. I will explain the reason for this and the proof for this. Beginning with the latter, the proof for this is that this crisis is erasing political differences. Republicans and Democrats have just one solution, increasing spending and reducing taxes, which are economically the same thing, and that really is the only solution. The reason for the spending blitz is that the pandemic has forced the shuttering of businesses in the real economy. A faltering labor market is our number one economic problem, and its spiraling effects cannot really be slowed unless stopped by governmental action. For example, there are couples who have lost one or both of their jobs and can't pay their mortgage. Multiply that by a large number, and even a well-capitalized bank, and there are many that are not, cannot remain stable especially as the economic decline is occurring for an unknown period of time. Only the Federal Reserve and the Treasury can communicate the message to banks, backed by resources and changes in regulatory rules, that their household and business customers are good for the money when we pull out of this. Until we reach this equilibrium, we will require sweeping governmental assistance and wise policies. One enormous, and I really mean enormous, challenge in this regard is the level of debt in the economy. That is because the government will finance its spending through the sale of treasuries, but the U.S. and other advanced economies have already reached levels of debt of dubious sustainability. So who will want to buy these treasuries? So far, there is one clear customer, the Federal Reserve. 
we shall see how long the world's central banks can remain credible with this incestuous financing scheme. Oh, and one more point about government aid. Even the Treasury and Fed are limited in how much they can spend. Boeing's stock fell from $291 at the beginning of March down to $89 in the middle of March, then shot up again to over $180 on promises of government support. The price has fallen quite a bit since. But the question is, how many companies or industries can the government bail out? Not all of them, and not most of them. Now let's discuss some good news. We're seeing better tests, intensive drug development, vaccine work, and ramped up production of masks. Specifically, we see that Microsoft was the only Dow Jones Industrial Index stock that ended up in positive territory in the first quarter. And Zoom, of course, has lived up to its name. Now, there are reasons for this, too. Companies that can conduct their work in a dispersed, decentralized manner, and all the more so those that enable this dispersion, have a big advantage. But let's get one thing straight right now. Any good news of an enduring nature depends on the restrictions, now growing in their intensity, that are slowing the progress of the coronavirus. Public health officials don't kill the economy. Pandemics do. What public health officials do is kill the pandemic. Only once we have reversed this tide can the rebuilding begin. Finally, what about that recovery? Will it be sooner or later? V-shaped or U-shaped? That's the question investors most want to know, and there is no shortage of answers, but they're mainly pure speculation. What we can logically surmise, though, is that the timing and extent of the recovery will depend on one factor, jobs. Only renewed employment can encourage people to spend, and for reference, consumption is about 70% of the U.S. economy. So the bottom line for investors may be that, rather than reflexively snapping up shares based on mantras we've been conditioned to believe, after the fall comes the recovery, I think today's times are uniquely suited for investors to once again become investors, which has historically meant buying for the long term, knowing what you're buying and why, and what you're avoiding and why. If this perspective once again takes root, there's reason to hope the public will demand fiscal responsibility of its leaders too, because today's biggest risk is that the government we currently require to step in has habitually behaved as if we were in an emergency, even in times of prosperity. Thanks for listening. If you found this podcast of value, I would be much obliged if you would pass it on to other advisors to keep this FA project growing. Also, feel free to contact me at gil at seekingalpha.com with any feedback. This is Seeking Alpha's Gil Weinrich.